You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Good morning. I am Mrs. Jeff Dolan. So Jeff is um, uh, Jeff is under the weather, but doing better. So, um, but you wouldn't want him up here because uh, he's been hacking a lot. So, <laughs> I talked him out of it. So, and uh, quite ironically, actually, I was supposed to um, give the message. I think it was exactly one year ago, but we had just started back after COVID, and a couple weeks later, remember, we had to cancel a service. That was the Sunday. So, <laughs> so anyways, I guess God's got a plan here. So, um, but uh, as we watch that video, um, I'm thankful God has a plan because we would definitely be at a dead end, wouldn't we? <laughs> I mean, all of the challenges that uh, life, life brings us and uh, the limitations that we have and the limitations of others um, without God there to... Uh, bring the good news and uh, give us life in the midst of death, uh, we would really be hopeless. So we have a lot to be thankful for as we worship together this morning. Um, I have just a couple of announcements really quick. Um, so um, Tuesday is uh, Joe Machette's um, uh, celebration of life service, and that is at 11 o'clock here at the church so Karen wanted me to make sure to invite all of you who might be available to come and uh, share in that celebration of his life. Uh, so that's here at 11 o'clock on Tuesday. And then Wednesday night, we're going to do our parking lot cleanup at 7. Um, and uh, next weekend, we have a lot going on. So I hope you have cleared your calendar of everything that weekend because <laughs> um, at, uh, we have a special uh, speaker coming to minister to our congregation. His name is Chris Olson uh, from Ankeny. And uh, he's going to start off with an 8.30 breakfast with the men here at the church. And then uh, in the evening at 6.30 is a service for everyone and then he'll be here Sunday morning to give the message. And then we were going to have our, um, uh, uh, our anniversary picnic in the evening, but we have moved it up to after church. So um, partially because it looks like it's going to be hot all week, and we thought hopefully you guys will be here Sunday morning anyway, so we're just going to do it after church. So um, there's items provided, but uh, if you're able to bring a side dish or a dessert, um, and you do not have to bring your lawn chair. So you can cross that off your list. So, and then, um, and then at 3.30 Sunday afternoon, just because we're all together anyways, um, we're going to have a, a baptism at Big Blue. So we had one person who wanted to do it outside, so um, we're going to have that at 3.30 at Big Blue. And anybody else who wanted to be baptized, um, if you would like to join in in that opportunity, then that is um, open to you to do that. If you would rather uh, wait until we have a baptismal here in the sanctuary again, you can do that. You have options. So it's always good to have options, right? 
Okay, so I think that's all of the announcements that I have right now. Um, so we're going to get started talking about love. Um, <clears throat> Jeff had started um, a, uh, some form of a series. We have yet to know exactly <laughs> what form of a series that's going to be, but we're getting started on the first one today. So um, on the fruit of the Spirit. So, uh, so the fruit of the Spirit um, <clears throat> is love. And uh, love is a very important thing. You know, I think that the fact that we have the desire and the need to be loved in and of itself is a powerful confirmation of the fact there is a God and he's good. Um, because why otherwise would we have such a need for love? You know, we would just be organisms who are living and dying and doing our, doing whatever comes naturally to us, and it wouldn't be a thing that's related to the heart, uh, because that's spiritual. So, so we all have a need for love, and uh, we have more than a need, we have a deep, deep hunger for love. And, you know, and the word says that God is love. Um, and so it makes sense that we would have such a strong need and hunger for love that, you know, without God is never satisfied. You know, in fact, the video reminds us that love can be, bring a lot of hurt into our life. Um, and without God, you know, that's uh, kind of makes it even more painful <laughs> to live, to live life. So <clears throat> um, Francis Chan um, is uh, always an inspirational guy. Um, he has a very real, authentic passion for God that I know inspires me. Um, says that God's definition of what matters is pretty straightforward. He measures our lives by how we love. So not only do we have a deep hunger for love, but we also have a supreme calling to love. And, um, and when you think about all the callings that God has called you to when you read the word, um, what stands out more than any other than to love? You know, it says God summarized the commandments into two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to know what God's will is for your life, it's to love. If, if you want to know what you should be really investing in when it comes to your relationship with God and living it out faithfully, it's to become better at loving others. And, uh, and that can be challenging for us. Sometimes when you stop and look at it, it doesn't seem like it should be so challenging, but we're pretty complicated people. Um, <clears throat> so um, so the, the idea of, of fruit and trees is not um, unique to the idea of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, trees have been a part of things from the very beginning. So in the beginning, in Genesis 2.9, it says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So <clears throat> as I was uh, uh, thinking about what direction 
got yesterday, yesterday's when I found out <laughs> that I'm doing this. As I was thinking through this yesterday um, as to uh, what direction uh, I felt led to go in that I could really speak from the heart about, um, I have especially been uh, thinking about um, the power of um, our knowledge and um, the barrier that knowledge can bring. Um, and so as I thought about that, I was reminded of the fact, hey, there was a tree in the garden and it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know? And so it was that tree that Adam and Eve were not to partake in. There was two trees, there was two choices. So there's the tree that represented life and there was the tree that represented death. And that tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, so there's a lot more to all of that than I know, um, especially with a 24-hour notice. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, just the fact that it's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know, speaks to um, what um, that temptation brought into our life in a lot of ways, and one of them is in the pride of our knowledge. So, um, so as we partook of the tree that we were not to partake of, as we made the choice to, um, to eat of that tree, we being through Adam and Eve, uh, now we are living it out. Um, we, it feels to me like we're stuck in this perpetual um, uh, anguish of, difficult choices, that we're having to make choices every day, every moment. What do you choose, life or death, blessing or cursing, uh, the flesh or the spirit? You know, which one are you going to live out of? And, uh, and one of the movies that has always stuck with me is Groundhog Day. So um, Groundhog Day just that perpetual having to start the same day over and over. So in Groundhog Day, it's some kind of a weird little, weird little story where somebody is having to wake up and it happens to be Groundhog Day and they wake up and it's Groundhog Day again. And it's the same day lived over and over and over and over and over. And it's just that repetitiveness and life can feel that way, very repetitive. Here we go again, it's another Monday, it's another, it's another day, it's another work day, it's another, you know, and so, it's kind of that chance to get it right, you know, and that's how they were trying to approach that. What do I need to do to get this right so that I don't have to keep repeating it over and over and over? And uh, it feels like life is kind of like that. We are constantly being faced with choices as, uh, as a believer in Christ, as a person in relationship with God, the flesh or the spirit the flesh or the spirit, is really the foundational choices that we have. There's lots of choices that we make, but at the foundation, it's the flesh or the spirit, just like it was in the garden. It's the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and, you know, there, and which God made clear the consequences of those choices. So as we read on to Romans 8, um, we're reminded that it says to be controlled by human nature results in death, to be controlled by the spirit 
results in life and peace. And one of the things that stands out to me in that is, it, it, is that you will be controlled. So it, there's the only two options there, both of them have to do with being controlled. And most of us don't like to be controlled. <laughs> we want to be in control. We want to be in charge. We want to be the ones calling the shots. But the reality is, is that you do not have the power to call the shots ultimately. You know, and one of the greatest gifts that you can come into, one of the greatest understandings I think you can come to know is how limited you are. And not just know it, but accept it. That you are limited. God created you limited. You can't be greater than what God created you to have the capacity to be. And so you are a limited person, you know. And uh, in, in our desire for control, it gets us in really bad places. Um, and it's very burdensome. You know, I get tired of trying to be in control because, first of all, it's a lie that I can even be in control. And, and it's a lot of responsibility to be in control. Um, it's very burdensome. Um, and, and nothing ever goes my way, no matter how hard I try to be in control. So one of the greatest things that can happen to you is to surrender to the fact that you are not in control, that you will never be in control, that you do not have the power to be in control. And God created you that way because he is more than sufficient. So, but he's not the only one who has some control in this world. And, uh, and that was represented there by those two trees because he does give us a choice. You know, we have a choice. There's some significance to each of those choices, but we do have a choice, and that is one of the things that God has given us the power to do, which is to make choices amongst the choices that are available. So, so he wants us to choose wisely. So in Galatians 5, um, just as a reminder, um, first we do have other kinds of fruits besides the fruit of the Spirit. We have the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of the other controlling force that wants to be in charge of our life, right? And so, you know, in that list, there's quite a list there. Um, I'm not going to read it all. I think you're all familiar with the list, um, and I'm pretty sure Jeff read it last week. But it's just up there as a reminder of the fruit of the flesh and the things that come out of it, and um, especially the last ones, that have to do more with uh, our relationships with each other, um, such as let us not become conceited, provoking, provoking and envying one another. So um, these fruits are the fruits of the flesh or the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that um, Adam and Eve uh, partook of. Partook, is that a word? Partook of. Okay, there you go, partook. So, all right. Um, so then we go on to the fruits of the Spirit. And of course, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right. <clears throat> so of these, love 
is the most important one. So Jeff has a whole series, but I get to talk about the most important one. So, um, so love is the most important one because all of the other fruits are rooted in love. Um, just like we said, the greatest commandments are to love, right? To love God and to love others. Um, so <clears throat> love is the greatest commandment. And uh, I found a, a neat little, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, um, but I'm just going to read it. And I didn't put it on a slide, and I know some of you would want it. So if you do have Facebook, I put it on the church Facebook page. But um, So joy is love singing, peace is love resting, patience is love enduring, kindness is love's touch, Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love's holding the reins. So I thought that was kind of cool. Some guy wrote that, but I thought it was good. So his name's on the page too, but I didn't write it on mine. So, <clears throat> all right, so... Um, I thought, since we're talking about love, you can't talk about love without talking about the love chapter, right? Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about 1 Corinthians 13. So I'm just going to read verses 1 to 3 to get us started. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a ringing gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have absolute faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and exalt in the surrender of my body but have not love, I gain nothing. So as we uh, read through those, <clears throat> the the items that they talked about in there are not unimportant, right? Those things, I mean, those would be awesome. Things to do, um, qualities to have. I mean, those are, we would, we, we would admire anybody who could do um, or express those acts of faith and um, devotion and all of, all of those things. They're all wonderful things, but... It says, compared to love, they are nothing. They, they, they're meaningless. And, you know, so as I read that, I think about all the things that I strive for, you know, all the things that I think will mean that I really have arrived in a more meaningful way in my relationship with God and my faithfulness of living that out. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's some churches that believe um, that the only way to know that you have the Holy Spirit is if you speak in tongues. You know, it's kind of like, wow, that's the, that's the ultimate way to know that you have the Holy Spirit is to speak in tongues. You know, I mean, speaking in tongues is great, but how about being someone who is faithful and loving others? You know, that's, I mean, it takes the fruit of the Spirit to love others. It's a really, really powerful thing to do is to be able to love others in a way that they feel loved by you. You know, and that's the other trick of it 
is that I think I know what it looks like to love others, but how that translates for someone else might be different. And so if they haven't experienced my love, not that I'm fully responsible for overcoming every barrier in them <laughs> that, that might not be of God, um, but I do need to go a little bit more of the extra mile to know them in a way that they would be able to, I would be able to love them in a way that translates with them. So, so this is a, this, these verses are, are a huge challenge to me um, as I think of all the ways that I get fixated on certain things and I exalt them to a high place. And yet what has God exalted to a high place? He's exalted love. You know, his kind of love, agape love, unconditional love, a love that doesn't give up. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. But, <clears throat> but love is very important. So <clears throat> one of the verses that um, really spoke to me yesterday was uh, 1 Corinthians 8. And um, we're just going to look at the first verse first. On my thing, it's red, not pink, but. <laughs> um, anyways, so uh, in uh, just the first verse, it says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So this stood out to me because I'm, you know, uh, for one thing, like I said, that's been a topic that I've been kind of felt God putting before me a lot um, lately in a lot of different ways. Um, some painful ways, <laughs> um, but um, this verse, it was a good confirmation that that was a direction that I should go today, was um, looking at that barrier of knowledge and the way that knowledge, um, just like those things that we just read about that are great things, but compared to love, they are nothing, or outside of the context of love, they are they mean nothing. They have no value. The same is true for knowledge, even knowledge of the truth, you know, knowledge of God's word, knowledge of, you know, uh, whatever kind of knowledge, good knowledge, uh, truthful knowledge. It has the capacity to become something it wasn't intended to be and to be used in a way that isn't beneficial and it has the capacity very easily in our sinful uh, environment and, and our, our yet to be fully renewed minds to puff up. In other words, to get our focus in the wrong place. Um, so knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, all right? And... Um, so then it goes on to the next verses, and it says, um, the one who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. So truth is exciting, you know? I mean, it's life-changing, you know, to come into revelation of God's word in a way that you know, you know something now, <laughs> you know? And that's the only way to know something is for God to show it to you and tell you. I mean, and or give you the capacity to see and hear it. Um, um, the only way we can know anything about God is because of what he's revealed to us about himself. So once again, in our limitations, we are dependent on him 
to show us and to tell us the truth. However, once again, we are limited. We have to go back to that. And I can stand confidently on the truth, on the truth of God's word and on the truth that I know. And, and, uh, and, I, and I will stand firm on it as, you know, the Holy Spirit confirms it in my heart and leads me through those fruits of the Spirit. Um, but I must also remain in humility to know that my understanding is limited and my knowledge is limited there's things I know now I didn't used to know. There's things that I thought I knew that I was wrong. Um, and there's so much more that I still have yet to learn. Um, and so my knowledge is limited. And, uh, and so, so the one who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. You know, even the things that I know, I... They're, my knowledge and understanding of them are still limited, you know? And so to, to have that humility when you're engaging with people, you know, share the truth of what God's word says, not what you think, you know? Here's what God's word says. When God called us to go out into the world, he called us to go share the good news, not our opinions about the good news. He just said, go share the good news, and the good news is about Jesus, not about us. So, yes, God's changed our life, and we, we're, we're then hopefully to be an example of what living that good news looks like. But the real message that we have is about him, not about us. And um, so... Um, I was watching... Uh, I'm from... I grew up in Indianapolis, so I, I'm an IndyCar um, race, 500 race lover. You just have to be when you grow up in Indy. And the race was last Sunday. And um, I happened to remember that I was washing dishes. So I found a brief opportunity to watch some of it because it was kind of a teaser because I didn't have the right access to the right station and all that. But anyways, I happened to watch when one of the cars had gone in for a pit stop and, you know, they, like, change all the tires and all that, like, in, you know, like, in five seconds. It's, like, super, super fast, um, which is kind of part of the fun of it. And uh, so, anyways, this one car, he was doing really, really well, and it's pretty far into the race. And he went in for a pit stop. And then as he was going out of the pit back onto the track, um, at which by then, even then, they're going at a pretty fast speed, um, his back tire flew off. Yeah, which is not good. So <laughs> just in case you didn't know that. I mean, I'm not an expert, but, <laughs> but anyways. Um, so the back tire flew off, and of course he's spinning, and then it flew off and went way up in the air, and then it came down and landed on another car. And anyways, it was crazy. Um, but anyways... Uh, so as I was uh, thinking about that, you know, and, uh, and the fact that, um, you know, we can, we can get feeling pretty powerful, you know. I mean, God's truth is powerful. It's life-changing. And sometimes it's more than we can handle, you know. I mean, we're not, it's, it's not easy uh, to kind of 
properly handle that. Um, and kind of like that race car, you know, if the bolts had been on the tire, um, then it probably would have gone pretty smoothly for him. But that tiny little missing piece caused the whole thing to become a, tra a tragic crash, right? And thankfully, nobody was hurt. It wasn't totally tragic, thankfully. Um, but anyways, it reminds me of the next scripture, which has always been um, an important one to me. And that's 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So it's a lot of responsibility to correctly handle the word of truth. And, and uh, the best way to correctly handle the word of truth is to walk in humility. The more truth you know, the more humility you need. And, and I believe that, um, you know, we're going to see in a minute one of the ways to keep that in check. <clears throat> so we're going to move on to the rest of a couple more scriptures in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And this is where I want to kind of start looking at that relationship between knowledge and its uh, potential to puff up versus love. Um, so in uh, verse 4, it says, love is patient and love is kind. However, knowledge um, often has its own agenda. When knowledge is driving us instead of love, knowledge often has its own agenda. And it's not really interested in yours. So, you know, when we're trying to relate to people and, uh, you know, God's calling us to love them through patience and kindness, we're not going to show patience and kindness if we're driven instead by knowledge instead of love. Because knowledge has its own agenda and timetable. And we're okay if the truth hurts. Yeah, so... Uh, because the truth is the most important thing to a person driven by knowledge. All right. And the next uh, part of that verse says, love does not envy, does not boast, and is not proud. But if you're driven by knowledge, knowledge often needs to know what others know and would prefer to be the first to know it and knows better than others. So, and I, I came up with this myself <laughs> because I know what it's like to be driven by knowledge. So I, I learned these from thinking about myself um, and, uh, and how I can be driven by knowledge. All right, and the next verse in, uh, says, love is not rude, self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. But oftentimes, knowledge is indifferent, self-focused, offended when others disagree, and delights in being right. So when we're driven by knowledge instead of love, we're going to have a hard time not being rude or self-seeking or easily angered or avoiding keeping a record of other people's wrongs. 
So in what ways uh, do we make it all about us? <clears throat> God calls us to die to ourselves, um, but knowledge uh, causes us to have pride in ourselves, right? That's the danger of knowledge. You need knowledge, you know, especially of the truth. You need truth, God's truth, but you have to be able to handle it properly. So looking on to um, warning authorized use only. <laughs> so if handled inappropriately, your knowledge has the power, if it uh, has the power to discourage, wear down, beat up, expose, divide, injure, and harden hearts. That's not what the truth of the knowledge that God has given us was designed for. But when we don't handle the word of God appropriately and we mix in our own ego and our own pride, um, then we can really be dangerous. So one time I took my bicycle to the gas station uh, to put some air in the tires. My friend and I, when I was in school, we were going to go bike riding, and my tires were kind of flat. So I, you know, did the hard work of low tires all the way to the gas station. And so I went over and took the thing out and put it on there. I wasn't on there very long. <laughs> but I put the little uh, air filler on there and um, took it off real fast. No problem. So, and then I put it on the other one real fast, but bang, it just like blew up. And the guys in the service station came running out and I was so embarrassed and my friend quickly walked elsewhere. <laughs> and then I thought, oh no, what am I gonna do? And so I was walking over towards her and then the other one blew up. <laughs> so anyways, uh, power in the wrong hands is not a good thing, right? So, but uh, we need to make sure that our hands are the right hands for the word of truth, for knowledge, for understanding, for revelation. And, uh, and that's where we've got to keep first things first. And that is that uh, call to love. So back to that picture that we had of the two trees. Um, remember too that these trees were at the center of the garden, Right? So what is, what is in the center of our life? What is in the center of our day? What is in the center of our relationships? What is in the center of our circumstances? What is in the center of our choices? What is in the center? And that's where God is asking us, which one is gonna be in the center? You know, the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The spirit or the flesh? Is God in the center or is Satan and his kingdom in the center, his influence? And then what are we planting in people's lives? You know, are we planting love or are we planting ourselves? Um, are we planting the good news of Jesus Christ or are we planting our opinions, our preferences. All right, so love is a, um, 
I'm going to see where I'm at here before I say anything. In a good place, you want to go and good to you. All right. So, um, <clears throat> for the fruits of the Spirit, for me, um, definitely is emptying myself. Um, I know I am not alone when it comes to having busy minds. And I think there's a lot of things that lead us to that place. Ultimately, I think it's protection um, where we felt vulnerable um, and it didn't go well. Then we put up protections. You know, one protection is for me to figure everything out and then I can keep bad things from happening or I can keep myself from being in a bad place or a vulnerable place because I'm two steps ahead of you. So... Um, I'm already anticipating what you're going to do next or what you're going to say or what your argument's going to be or, you know, all of these kinds of things, you know. And for different ones of us, that develops for different reasons, you know, because at some point we were humiliated because we didn't know the answer. Um, um, and I think all of us have been humiliated to one degree or another in many different ways, um, or felt humiliated. I mean, that's what the devil does, is he wants to humiliate us. And then our response is to become even more committed to being in control, which isn't possible. So there's a lot of reasons that we get where we get, but it is exhausting. And I know that that's why God has kind of put this in front of me, um, is, you know, eventually we... we we run into the wall in some way or form, you know, and it's kind of like, well, I thought I, I thought I was, you know, in control. <laughs> uh, I thought I could handle this, but another part of it is you get tired, you know, I'm, I guess that's the, the blessing of passing the 50 threshold is you get tired of trying to hold it all together and get it all right and get your T's crossed and your I's dotted and remember this and remember that and, um, you know, uh, be a certain way so that you can have the approval of others or, you know, all of those kinds of things. It gets very tiring um, and, it, and it doesn't produce the results that it should have. It's kind of the feeling you get after a while. So it's kind of like, well, that's not working anymore, you know? Uh, what does work? Work, uh, the thing that does work is surrender, you know? It's surrendering to God. And, uh, and God has already shown you so many ways, most likely, how faithful he is and how capable he is of helping you to know what you need to know when you need to know it, not before you need to know it, when you need to know it. Um, helping you to uh, make a wise decision when it's needed, all right? So he doesn't rush ahead. He gives you the manna for today and says, this is what you need today and I'll take care of tomorrow. So that's freedom, you know? I mean, that's where real freedom happens is when we surrender to God. And then when we surrender to God, what does he do? He produces his fruits in our life. And they're good ones. A lot better than the ones I was producing when I do things on my own. You know, when I, when I do it out of my flesh, when I do it out of my own efforts and my own knowledge and understanding. But when he's producing in me, 
it's, there's no burden. He's, you know, he says, my burden is light. You know, come and yoke yourself with me because uh, I'm, I, I can provide for you. And that's what you were designed for. I created you limited so I could provide for you. So when we don't take our limitedness and put it in the hands of the one who was designed to make up the difference, then we're going to not be in a good place. So, so let's uh, pray and we'll join together in uh, communion. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the fact that you are more than sufficient to fill in all of the gaps both the created ones that you've given me as well as the gaps of my own sinfulness, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us to even fill in those gaps, gaps that weren't your responsibility, but out of your love, you filled those gaps. So we just pray that you'll just help us to just give ourselves fully to you to give you our knowledge that isn't ours, that was only possible because of you, that you gave it to us, that we will give you our desire for control, that we give you our pride, we give you our regrets, that we give you our list of concerns and fears and worries. That we allow you to be the one who is control and that we would reject the control of the flesh. that we will yield to you in each moment, in each situation, to allow your love to throw, flow in us and through us, that you will teach us how to love others the way that you have loved us. Help us make the main thing, the main thing that, the main thing is to love to be loved first by you so that we then have the love to love others. So we just thank you for your love, God. I mean, it's not even enough to say thank you. It's, it's not anything that words can describe the significance of what your love means for us. You're the one that kept us from being stuck at a dead end in any and every part of our life, eternally, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Every part of our life would be nothing without your love. So you've made the assignment very clear and concise and pretty simple to know what that assignment is. 
And so we just pray that you will remove all of the entanglements of the world, of the flesh, of the enemy, of our own confusion, so that we can be faithful to fulfilling that simple call to love you and to love others. Only by the power of your spirit is that possible. And so we thank you, Father, for these um, communion elements, the body that was broken for us of Jesus, that he was willing to sacrifice out of his love for us, to come and to dwell amongst us in a very limited capacity from that eternal, perfect place of heaven and uh, dwell amongst us and that he was then willing to be humiliated on the cross and in by being beaten so that we could be free, so that we could have life. And so we thank you for his blood that was shed that forgives our sins and heals our diseases. And so as we come up to partake of communion, we see the invitation and when we come up, we're saying, yes, I, I, I say, I do. I wanna be a part of your kingdom, God. I want to reflect your goodness in my life. I want your love to flow freely through me above all else. I want your love to flow more than I want the knowledge of things to flow. I want your goodness to flow through me. Help others to see you through me. So we just thank you for your presence here and we just pray your blessing on every person here, Lord. You know exactly what's represented by every life in this room. You know the fights uh, of battle that some of us are in right now. Some of the challenges facing people in this congregation and you desire to take that load off their backs to relieve the heaviness and to give them the freedom of peace and joy of faith and hope so I just pray that you'll just help them Lord to, to see how to get that off their back and to put it in your hands so that they can walk in freedom. Today's the day for that opportunity to make a choice for freedom and for love and for the power that comes in knowing you as their Lord and Savior. So we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.
Thank you. 